You're hanging out After Hours with Matt Anderson, presented by Inside the Gamecocks. Welcome into the Late Night Gamecock Show. This is episode 16 of the show, and I'm so glad to be here with you tonight. I'm actually recording this show on Tuesday, August 1st, and it's intended to be an evergreen-type episode with John Whittle from the Big Spur, talking about all things Carolina baseball from this past year, looking to next year, and we'll talk to John about his rise in this industry and how he became an expert on all things Gamecock baseball. Since starting his career, he mainly focused on baseball, but John has spread his wings and now covers pretty much every sport that South Carolina has a team for on campus. But as always, welcome to the show. My name is Matt Anderson, and I'm your host for all things Gamecocks After Dark. A quick reminder, you can reach me at latenightgamecockshow at gmail.com or on the Big Spur message boards under the username Matt Anderson. And you can reach John on the Big Spur as well under the handle John Whittle. If you haven't joined the Big Spur yet, I hope this episode encourages you to take the plunge and get information like this from John on a daily basis. The Big Spur isn't just John, obviously, as Tony Morrell is the GCI of Gamecock football team information, J.C. Sherbert is the godfather of Gamecock and national football recruiting, and then you have Alex Jones and Hale McGranahan covering the daily beat of Gamecock news, with Hale especially knowing the entire pulse of Gamecock recruits day in and day out. Then you have me, who pops in from time to time on the message board to drop any wisdom I may or may not have. So you really can't beat the team at TheBigSpur.com, and the team that, that we've put together to cover Gamecocks athletics is top-notch, best in the business. A quick reminder, this show normally records twice per week, Mondays and Thursdays, with um, episodes usually released either late on those nights or very early the next day. Also, if you haven't downloaded the Chief Sports Network app on your Apple or Google device, I highly recommend that you do. You will get access to every show that you love to listen to, like this one, the show with JC, Jamie Bradford, and Phil Mullinax, and access to the JC and Morgan show with Mike Morgan and JC Sherbert, giving you all the action around the nation, but with the Southeastern Conference focus. As a quick reminder, the Chief Sports Network is happy to have former Gamecocks Pat DeMarco, Perry Orth, and Michael Flint joining the show to provide insight into Gamecock football. And there's just a lot of fun things happening with the network. One of the best things is that eliminates ads on YouTube if you've been listening to the show there. The app is free and marks a monumental shift in Gamecock sports media. So download now if you haven't already. Again, thank you for joining me tonight, and let's get on to the show. So, John Whittle, how are you doing tonight? Wonderful, wonderful. I'm, I'm happy to, to, uh, to make my first appearance with you. Uh, I know that you've been doing great work with this podcast and excited to be part of episode number 16. Yeah, 16, man. You wouldn't think that there's a whole lot of stuff to talk about in Gamecock, Gamecock world, but evidently there is. Goodness, you could probably do two shows a day with the amount of stuff that there is to talk about with, with, with Gamecock Athletics. But man, just just read the Big Spur message boards. It's always hopping. But yes, you you, uh, you, you got a great show going and, and uh, certainly am, 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 uh, am proud to be on with you. Well, I appreciate that, John. You know, we actually kind of go way back, even though I don't think either of us really realized how far back we go. We um we're both from Florence, South Carolina. I think you went through Florence Christian. I went through St. Anthony's and then South Florence High School. But um, so you got your start in Florence. You made your way to the University of South Carolina. So how did you find yourself covering Gamecock baseball? 
Matt, Matt, I hate to do this to you. I'm not from Florence. I didn't, I didn't go to Florence. Pretty what? I, I, no. Yeah, I, 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 had a, I had a buddy who went there, uh, and, and I, I showed up to a couple of basketball games, and uh, but, but that, that was it. That was it. I went, I went to Spring Valley. Man, dude, for so long, I thought you were from Florence. It probably was just because of, you know, our mutual friends from South Carolina, um, the university that is, that, that knew you. But, man, I feel terrible. I thought you were from Florence. <laughs> no, born and raised in Columbia, went, went to Spring Valley High School and, and uh, you know, had, had a couple of friends out there and, and spent some time going to uh, to, to Florence Christian basketball games. So, uh, Bob, Bob Ritchie was a close buddy of mine and, and, um, you know, I, I would go out and see him play as, as much as I could. Well, I totally get that. So how did you find your way covering Gamecock baseball? Cause that's kind of your start in this industry. Yeah. Um, I guess it was, I, I was, I was at South Carolina as a student and, you know, I, I was a, a message board poster on, on Gamecock Central, and and I wrote some stories for SC Varsity, uh, if, if you remember that that high school website, and, and uh, you know I would go to all the baseball games, and I would travel a lot, and, and uh, I just kind of got connected with Shu, and you know did did a few things baseball related here and there uh, while I was a student, and then um, Scott Hood is. Is uh, any any old time Gamecock remember? You don't even have to be old time, I don't think, to to remember Scott Hood. You know, he came on and is a full time guy at, at, at Gamecock Central, and you know, I he kind of took everything over, and you know, I, I guess I got back into it when uh, I started with the Big Spur. Um, I guess that was late late two thousands, and and uh, it really just kind of gone from there. So uh, it was. It, it, it's always been a lot of fun. Uh, it's certainly grown uh, tremendously over the course of the years. I mean, the Big Spur was, you know, just a, a, a startup company, zero members and and uh, zero message board posters. And you know, we've we've uh, we've grown a bit, I would say, uh, over the years since then. Oh, absolutely! I remember. So I graduated from South Carolina in 2010. And I remember when JC kind of started the Big Spur, I was so excited to see you and eventually Tony make their way over there. But man, I still remember being at the Thomas Cooper Library and we were just studying, you know, lightly studying at like 1 a.m. And at that point, JC would be dropping spur notes. And I remember just having like, it's, it felt like 10 guys around my computer just waiting for JC to drop spur notes. And then obviously your baseball coverage as well, because it really was the you know, the, the prime time for Gamecock baseball as well. So with that in mind, how, what are your favorite memories covering Gamecock baseball? Yeah. I mean, obviously the college world series years were incredible. Um, I mean, it's, it's so much more fun to, uh, to, to cover winning teams, I guess, than it is teams that are, that aren't winning, you know, regardless of sport. And, but, but I, I know this sounds cliche, but you know, just, Getting to know uh, the people around the program over the last 25 years, you know, there have been some some great folks who I've I've had a, a chance to build relationships with, uh, you know, whether it's players or coaches. I mean, in, in, in this job that I'm in, you you have to be able to separate, you know, the relationships from the work. Like, you know, if if something's not going well you have to be able to say, you know, this isn't going well. Like this is, 
this is what a problem is. You know, whether it's regardless of whether it's a, a position on the team or whether it's something that's going wrong in recruiting, like you have to be able to, to separate the, the work from the relationships. But, you know, at the same time, you spend so much time around these people, you, you get to know them personally. And, and uh, you know, whether it's, you know, Jerry Myers or Skylar Mead or Mark Calvi or Chad Holbrook or Tyler Johnson or Jonah Bride or Blake Cooper, Whit Merrifield, like, you know, the, the relationships you build o- over the years is, I mean, that's, that, that's what makes the job fun and, and memorable. And, and, uh, I mean, those are, those, those create some of, some of the, the most fun moments and, and some of my favorite moments. Um, but you know, there's obviously, obviously plenty of, of games as well, where there's grace and grinders, you know, home run to beat Tennessee or, or, I mean, the, I mean, it's, it's beyond the, the, the college world series stuff, obviously, but there, there, there's so many outstanding memories, but a lot of it goes back to the people. And I think that's the key. I mean, I've known JC now for going on 15 years and, you know, I didn't find my way into this, this avenue, you know, by pushing or trying to pry my way into it. It's just the people that you meet and the conversations that you have that, that really do last a lifetime. So I totally get that, John. And I got to ask you really quick, what was it like covering those elite baseball teams during the College World Series run? I mean, I remember back to Christian Walker's home run against Coastal Carolina that kind of set the tone. And gosh, it was fun. It was just fun as a fan at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, like I was saying, you know, co- covering a winner is more fun than anything else. Like, it's, it's, uh, you know, when when you're when you're a member of the media, you're not supposed to pull for sports teams. But you know, at the same time, like I cover the University of South Carolina, we have thousands of members on our message board, and if they're all ticked off all the time, then you know it's it's uh, it's, it's not as much fun for for you in the job. So uh, covering covering the winners is a ton of fun, but the personalities in that program in at the time were just awesome. And the access into that program at the time was was awesome. You know, Andrew Kiddick, the old SID, was was very accommodating and always appreciated the media. Um, but the players and the coaches em- embraced us too. You know, but the, like Michael Roth, Whit Merrifield, Scott Wingo, John Taylor, Adrian Morales, like those guys had had great personalities. Uh, Adam Matthews, Jackie Bradley. You know Bobby Haney and Peter Mooney, like the, the Robert Barry, the list, the list goes on. Like those those guys were were so enjoyable to to be around, and and the personalities that they had uh, were, were were something else too. They were jokesters, they were pranksters, they always had a good time. Like it, it was it was it was a blast being being around them. I can only imagine because I mean. I think about all those great players you had, and you know, I think you've named a lot of the best players that you've seen don the garnet and black on the baseball diamond. But one of the kids that I want to talk about real quick is Ethan Petrie. Just tell me what you think about him, his career trajectory. You know, does he have a chance to be one of those all-time best Gamecocks? I think so. You know, you to, to be an all-time great, you have to either be consistent at an incredible rate um over the course of your career or you know provide some special moments in the biggest moments right like um 
Jake Williams wasn't a great player at South Carolina, but we're all going to remember that throw from left field. Uh, Like Robert Berry wasn't always a great player, but we'll always remember that double play, you know, with, with, uh, you know, Scott Wingo throwing it home and, and, you know, Berry back to first, like, but Ethan Petrie is, is an incredible talent who is off to an incredible start in his career. He's hit, he, he hit the bomb off of Paul Skeens, the number one overall draft pick. Like, he's come through in big moments and big games. And, you know, to, to go down is with some of the greats, like like you mentioned Christian Walker and Jackie Bradley and, and some of those guys. Like, you know, we, we didn't get to see Justin Smoke and James Darnell and Reese Havens you know, who were incredible baseball players, who were great baseball players, you know, in some of those biggest moments, right? So, you know, making it to a World Series and and performing well out there would be huge to to go down as as one of those all-time great players. But, you know, he's he's certainly started out his his career in in, an incredible fashion. And, you know, he's got a story, too. Like, I mean, he he was a highly recruited guy who turned down a bunch of money to come and and uh, you know, came as came here as is a is an infielder, and you know had never really played outfield in his life. And you know they just kind of threw him into the outfield when, you know, when a, when a, uh, a guy or two were struggling out there the first couple of games of the season, and and uh, you know is is kind of taken off. So nobody really expected Ethan Petrie to be doing what he's doing. You know he wasn't having a great preseason or fall or anything like that coming into the year. He didn't. He didn't start the opening game. He didn't start the uh, the second game of the season. You know, it wasn't until the third game. So it was – Ethan's on a great trajectory. His teammates really like him. He's a great personality. He's he's, he's fun to be around. He's a, he's a, a good in the locker room. Like, I mean, he's he's off to a great start. And he's got two more years here. Yeah, and that that's the, that's the crazy thing. Is I remember, you know, following your coverage of the preseason, which, by the way – just another shout out to John Whittle. Um, preseason, off season, he kind of lets you know inside, you know what that dugout is thinking and what the dugout's going to look like and who's going to be on the field. But I remember you telling us that, you know, Ethan was was solid, but he wasn't spectacular. And to see what he did was just ab- absolutely amazing. And that kind of brings us to this past Gamecock baseball season. You know, John, obviously the Gamecocks started out as hot as any team in the country. You know, what would you say made the Gamecocks so successful during the beginning of the season to slightly over the midpoint of the season when they were ranked as, I think, high as number two or three in some polls? Yeah, um, I mean, there, there was a ton that went right. You know, like South Carolina was pretty healthy at the time. Um, pitching staff was was rolling pretty good. I mean, they were top five in the country in, in ERA for – I mean, really, the first forty games of the year, like you know, it's it was it was it was beyond the halfway point. It was it was forty games into you know a fifty six game game season that that those guys were rolling, and um, you know it, it it obviously took took a big hit when some of the injuries started piling up, and you know I think that most folks uh, after after seeing the way the the season ended would would probably agree that the injuries had a had a huge significant part of of you know what what that slump was but you know there they there was great momentum there they 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 had uh, a great camaraderie uh, about themselves you know they they were probably 
they they were as chirpy of a football, excuse me, of a baseball team as I can remember in South Carolina in my time of of covering it. Like they weren't they weren't Tennessee showboating like with the with the uh, with, with the uh, 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 the hat and jacket and all that stuff. Um, but they were they were a little chirpy, and they they had uh, they had some toughness about them and, and that kind of that kind of deal. So I. Like I, I feel like that was a, a big part of it, you know, just having having some some toughness and grittiness and and personality and a little little bit of spunk, and you know they they performed in big moments and they fed off of each other and you know they hit home runs and you know they 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 played fun baseball they struck dudes out like it was they 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 made exciting plays it wasn't just you know, stringing together a couple of singles and a guy sliding into home from third base or, or whatever. Like, they they made big plays and had big moments, and it was a lot of fun to be a part of. And, you know, I, I think they just fed off of that for, for about the first 40 games of the year. Yeah, you talk about those first 40 games, and one of the things that I remember is just how chippy that South Carolina-Clemson series was. It seemed like both teams, after a big home run, a big play, were trying to one-up each other on the chirpiness. And there's a lot of talk in baseball right now, especially about, you know, kind of strutting your stuff, kind of, you know, talking the talk, backing it up. And it's kind of one of those unwritten rules in race in baseball, you know, try and be as professional as you can, act like you've been there before. But for me, college athletics is all about having fun. And those guys were definitely having fun. And I, I kind of want to get your take on that. Just, I mean... It's it, like just way, the same way it's you know more fun to cover a team that's performing well. It has to be more fun to be able to kind of talk your talk and back it up. And just your thoughts on that, John? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm 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 not a, a big unwritten rules guy. So like uh, when 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 baseball traditionalists bring things up and. You know, I, I typically disagree with them, uh, and I'm also not superstitious. So, you know, some people just don't think I'm a baseball guy in general if I don't believe in, you know, hitting hitting the next guy after a if if a guy is is slow slow jogging out of a out of out of the batter's box on a home run. Like I, I just I think that stuff is stupid. Um, but anyway, you know, I I I definitely think that there is a a, a place in the game for. A, a big place in the game, especially in college sports, for having fun. Now, I'm not one of those guys who who uh, believes in showing up the opponent in terms of like directing your emotion at, at at the other team. Like, and you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later. But you know, with the with the Canes baseball stuff, the the team that I work with in the summers, like. I, I would shoot photos and, and videos and so forth. And, you know, I, I would tell them at the beginning of the summer, listen, like if you, if you hit a big home run, celebrate it. You can flip your bat a little bit. You can watch the ball. You can, you can strut out of the box. You do your stuff. But the second you turn to the dugout of the other team or the second that you point at that pitcher or say something to them is the second that that video goes away. Like we're not going to, we're not going to promote that stuff. And so I don't, I don't believe in, in, in showing up your opponent in that manner, but I'm all for having fun. I'm all for turning to your dugout and, 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 and cheering with them and barking at those guys. I, I'm not, 
I, I, I don't believe in in in, uh, in 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 showing up the other opponent that way. But I, I believe in fun. I've, I believe that you can you can bat flip a little bit. You can show some emotion after a big strikeout. Like I, I'm all for that. I think I think the college game has has really embraced that that to a certain degree. And it's becoming much more prominent in the college game, and, and you're seeing it a little bit more in, in, in the MLB too. And I, I think that's a great thing for baseball. Oh, I totally agree with you. And you know, talking about like those first forty games, John, we, we really had a string of injuries, and it wasn't just the pitching staff. There were injuries, you know, across the diamond as well. But you know, John, if you can kind of share with the listeners, you know, what it's like to to have have to pitch through an SEC conference schedule and you know, the innings that we lost and, you know, just how do you backfill for those innings? How tough is that to be, you know, a prominent baseball team in the SEC that 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 doesn't pitch well? I mean, that it seems like a rarity. You kind of have to pitch well. So just your thoughts on that, my friend. Yeah, well, going into this season, uh, I talked about how there was a ton of depth in the pitching staff, and, and there was. And I, I said, you know, South Carolina can sustain a couple of injuries and, and still be okay. And and they did <laughs> for for a while, um, but it 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 added up a, a little bit too much, and and the staff just wasn't quite as effective. Now, you know that being said, you know there were some really well pitched games at the end of the year with with no Noah Hall around, with Will Sanders operating at, at minimal capacity, with Eli Jerzen back down, with um, you know with 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 multiple guys being hurt, you know, with Chris Beach pitching through some things that, uh, you know, would, would sideline most people. And, you know, he, he just had successful surgery, uh, I guess it's about a week ago now on, on his hip, uh, that, that gave him a ton of problems, you know, the back half of the season. But, you know, it, at some point those injuries just start to, to pile up a little bit and makes you a little bit less effective, not only on the weekend, but, you know, over the course of the, over the course of the week to include the midweeks too. Like South Carolina dropped a couple of midweek games because, you know, when, you know, when Eli Jerzenbeck goes down, you, you lose those innings in the midweek. And, you know, when, when, you know, Will Sanders is out for a couple of weeks, then, you know, you have to take Eli Jones and, and move him from the midweek into a weekend rotation spot. Like the, it just it just all kind of piles on top of each other. But, you know, South Carolina had some depth, and James Hicks stepped up, and, you know, Jack Mahoney took his game to another level. And, um, you know, there, there, there were other guys who pitched big innings. You know, Matthew Becker, um, you know, pitched some big innings. And, you know, Kate Austin was a little bit better. Nick Proctor became really good at the end of the season. So, you know, it, it, but it has an effect when, when guys go down and, and, uh, you know, you could lose Noah Hall, you know, when you did and, and, and still be, be effective. And, and South Carolina was that for, for, for a long time. But then when, you know, Will, and, and you basically pitched without a really good Will Sanders almost the entire year, save a couple of starts. So, you know, those, those were two guys who, you, who were your one, two punch. And, you know, you could say that South Carolina was basically without them from the first, you know, third of the season for really the last two thirds of the season. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, especially on the message boards, the, the posters and the fans, and look, we're, we're, we're fans short for fanatics, right? So, I mean, everybody that's on there has a, has a say in things and, you know, wants to have their voice heard. But I think a lot of the times, you know, an injury happens and the fans expect the next person to be perfect. 
And it's just not that it's not that way. And, you know, unfortunately for Mark Kingston through his duration so far, he's had to he's had to maneuver through some injuries, especially on the pitching mound. And, you know, the innings you're talking about, yeah, it might not hurt to lose Noah Hall for, you know, five, seven, maybe eight innings if he's really on. But over the course of a week, like you talked about, I mean, you got to have in some cases, you know, 27, 36, 45 innings that you got to you got to account for. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, there is there is an echelon in the pitching staff and the pitching rotation. And when you're facing SEC bats, there there is no day off on the weekend. And having that South Carolina across your chest on the midweek games gives gives folks a lot of ammunition to go out and win. I mean, I still remember I have some really good friends that combined to um, beat South Carolina when they were at Charleston Southern, and that that was their World Series. It might not have meant a whole lot to South Carolina, and not to say you know the Gamecocks were okay losing, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean, John. Like there's this midweek games, like the Charlottes, like they're trying to prove that they belong in the SEC and they want to, you know, get those wins for NCAA tournament purposes. Yeah, I, absolutely. And you know when you're when you're at Charleston Southern or when you're at uh, Walford or you know Coastal Carolina, like you you maybe not as much Coastal Carolina, but you're you want to have been recruited by Clemson and you want to have been recruited by South Carolina. And, and uh, so you, you usually play those games with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder and, you know, it's, it's your Super Bowl, so to speak. And, and uh, you know, those, those games can be difficult. Now you, you believe that your everyday position players can go out and get the job done. And you believe that your midweek starters and, and, and bullpen guys can go out there and get the job done. And they usually do, but, Sometimes they don't, and you know sometimes the other team just plays better on that day. But you know the, I mean the, you, you talked about pitching injuries, and I mean that's when, like the 2022 season was was the crazy one. Like South Carolina was basically forfeiting the the midweek game just to be able to try to manage their way through through the weekend. I mean they only had really five pitchers, um, you know that season. Uh, during SEC play, who were who were healthy enough and good enough to to be effective and get outs, and you know that was that was incredibly challenging year for for South Carolina from a from a pitching standpoint. You know they were already they went into that year short on arms, and then you know three of your top four guys were were done for the season from a pitching standpoint by by um, you know the third week of the season before I mean by the Clemson series like. Julian Bosnick was never pitched last year. Uh, Josiah Seitler was a, a weekend starter uh, once once Bosnick wasn't able to go, and then he was done for the year. Uh, James Hicks was got injured, you know, two innings into his second start of the start of the season. I mean, that was three of your your top four guys right there, and then you know you have a couple of other things go wrong, and then all of a sudden Jalen Vasquez is pitching. And you know who was a shortstop, and it just, just uh, it, it, it just affects things. Well, I, mean, I think affects. I think I remember Michael Braswell pitching a little bit too. Yeah, and you know that was that was a little bit by design. I mean, he came in, but they they didn't want to have to pitch him. Like they wanted him to just be the shortstop and focus on, uh, or and and just focus on being that because that position is so difficult to play at, at this level at the SEC level and to to ask a freshman to do it is is challenging and you know and then also to be the closer I mean come on 
like it's it's a it's a lot on a kid and and uh you know they they uh you know he his arm wasn't always feeling great and they needed him at shortstop and you know so that that's where they that's where they rolled with him but yeah i mean it was that year was tough and uh, you know we've had a couple tough years here as um as a gamecock loyalist and, and and folks in the media that cover the gamecocks but so john i've talked about this on my show before and i kind of want to get your take on it you know, I've always been a proponent that the Gamecocks should make a regional eight or nine times out of a decade, should make a super regional, you know, let's call it six times, you know, and hosting a, a few of those, you know, over a 10-year ten, ten period, and then making it to Omaha two or three times, maybe winning one. But I feel that a lot of fans feel like losing in the Supers at Florida this year was a bad season. What would you say to the Gamecock fans that were disappointed not making it to Omaha this year? Or felt like we should have after after game forty. Yeah, um, I mean it's it's not a bad season, you know. If you like, you're basically a top sixteen team in the country, and and that's that's not that's not a bad season. Now this now Gamecock fans who are disappointed not making it to Omaha, like yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think everybody can say that. I mean, the way that that things were looking there for a while, like, um, you are disappointed that, that, I mean, South Carolina had a, had a great claim to being the number one team in the country after that Florida series, uh, after, right at that 40 game mark was, was when that Florida series concluded. And, you know, it was right there between LSU and Wake Forest and, and, and South Carolina. And with, with the way that, with the way the season had gone, like, the reason those other two teams were ranked ahead of the Gamecocks was really because they started ahead of the Gamecocks. Um, you know, South Carolina had just as good or better resume than than than, all, than both of those teams. But so yeah, I mean, I I I, I get it. But th- disappointment is is fine. Bad season, you know, that's that's too far. It's, it's not it's not a bad season when you know there were many around here who were saying that this team weren't. Would make the NCAA tournament. You know, the, the coach should be fired, and, and and all of these things. And you know, I, you know, maybe he should have been fired after after the 2022 season. Like, you could make a great argument that he probably should have been, but at the same time, like he had a chance to to rebuild the roster, and and uh, did that very effectively, and and put together a really good season when a lot of folks didn't think that he would have a really good season. So. Uh, I, I, I've, I wasn't, it wasn't a bad season. It was a good season. Uh, when, when, when there's so much right there at your fingertips and you don't quite make it to Omaha, at the end of the day, Florida was just a, a better team that weekend. And, um, you know, maybe it's different, you know, on another weekend, like it was in Columbia, uh, when, when South Carolina, you know, did their thing, um, you know, here in Columbia and, and we're able to, to, to sweep the Gators, including one by mercy rule that, you know, Florida was playing better at the end of the year. And, you know, that, that was kind of evidence of itself, but uh, I, I thought it was a good year overall. And, you know, they've, they've done some things this all season to, to potentially take the next step next year. I agree with you, John. A couple of things that you mentioned there. Um, first thing is, you know, those teams are ranked ahead of South Carolina because they started there. I've always been a big proponent that in any sport you should wait till, you know, week four, five, six of the season to actually, you know, start your rankings. 
And then, you know, on top of that, too, I don't think there was a team in the country that would have beat Florida that Super Regional weekend. I thought they were firing all cylinders. I said on this show that the Gamecocks had to win Game 1. Some fluky things happened in Game 1 on, on both sides of it. And, you know, the, the umpire behind the plate was kind of kind of fluky as well. But, you know, that's just umpires. But, yeah, I mean, I think that anytime the Gamecocks end up in a Super Regional with a chance to go to Omaha, that that's a good season. And, obviously, we'd love to have Super Regionals in South Carolina, in Columbia, so the Gamecock fans can get there. But that that atmosphere was electric in Gainesville you know, that particular weekend. So, John, the season ends, and then the transfer portal, which has become you know mainstream media topic for all sports. What was it like trying to cover that when it opened, and and how are teams still now trying to fill holes in their lineup? Man, it was it was kind of exhausting. Like you. You, uh, you, you, you see all these names going into the portal and, you know, some of them are good and some of them aren't very good. And, and, uh, but you got to sort through them all. And, and here, here's a problem or here, here's, here's the dynamic with baseball that I think folks often forget or lose sight of, or don't think about however you want to phrase it. Baseball is a partial scholarship sport. It's 11.7 scholarships to be spread over 27 soon to be 32 players uh, with a 35 soon to be 40 man roster for this coming season. Uh, you got eight walk-ons. The 11.7 can be spread amongst everywhere else. You can't just go get all of the best players in the country. Like, because those guys want big scholarships and you can't give that with 11.7. So, you know, you have to get guys who fill roles, who, you know, maybe have a higher ERA than you want, but have a better slider and than maybe some of the other guys. And But he can't throw it for a strike. So maybe you take this guy who's who's got, got a plus trait and maybe you can refine it a little bit. Like there's like there's so much that you have to balance in baseball when it comes to recruiting that it's, it's, it's amazing to me that coaches are able to do it. Now you throw in the transfer portal on, on top of that. And it just, it just gets wild. Like you can lose players at the drop of a hat, but you can pick up players quite easily too. Uh, but you know, NIL is involved now and, and is, is going to going into the baseball space and, you know, some teams have a ton of money and, and some teams don't. Like, I'll give you an example. There was, I, I have from a, a pretty good source that there was a school in the SEC where where nobody on that team made more than $1,000 and from NIL, in NIL money over the course of last year. Like, South Carolina probably had more, well over half of its roster make make more than that and some in in south carolina is not even in a great position from from an nil standpoint i would say south carolina is in a is in a very good position from an nil standpoint when it comes to baseball but you know certainly certainly not among the best they're not lsu they're not florida state they're not texas a&m they're not arkansas or Ole miss or or florida or tennessee but they're they're in a decent spot so you know, it, there's just so many layers to to uh, to baseball recruiting that it makes it makes it a challenge. And you know, there were there were some really good hitters in the portal this off season, and some that 
that South Carolina had some some good connections with and were able to to piece together the roster from an offensive standpoint, position player standpoint, a little bit better than than pitchers. They didn't really have a whole lot of really really overall nationally the the, the pitching class and the portal wasn't all that great, um, but South Carolina you know, didn't have a whole lot of great connections with, with some of those good pitchers either. So they've had to take some flyers on some people and, you know, you might just have to score eight runs a game this year and, you know, might just have to have to win by scoring a little bit more this year than, than what you usually do. And, you know, that's fine. Like LSU didn't have a great year of pitching and they ended up being, being all right. I mean, they had the best pitcher in the country who was able to go out and give you eight innings every weekend. And, you know, that was huge. But their their ERA was something like seven when when Skeens wasn't pitching, uh, getting close to seven when Skeens wasn't pitching. So it, it was it was it was really there, there's there's uh, various ways to win. South Carolina did a, a really nice job in the portal from an offensive standpoint. Might be an arm short, but you know what? Maybe uh, maybe some guys will step up, or maybe Matt Williams will, will reach a couple of people that uh, you know that Justin Parker wasn't able to do. So uh, there's some arms there to, to, to sort out, but you know, the, the, the portal was, the portal was wild. I can only imagine. I know how the college football portal is. I know how the, the college basketball portal is. And with NIL, it makes things incredibly, incredibly difficult. But, you know, as we kind of move off of last year, obviously the Gamecocks had a lot of players drafted and I've already covered that on this show. I've covered, you know, where players got selected, you know, slot value, you know, what they signed for. So, um, really happy for those kids. And it's a dream of everybody that you know, ever picks up a baseball at the college level to, to make it to the major leagues, make it to the minor leagues, play baseball professionally. But, but John, if you can talk a little bit about the incoming freshman class and the transfer portal additions and, you know, what kind of guys, and you don't have to go too, too in depth with this, John, but you know, just the guys that you're looking for making, you know, some kind of mark on Gamecock baseball next season? Um, well, there, there are a bunch of them, um, you know, especially from an offensive standpoint. I mean, you could have two new outfielders out there this coming year with, with Austin Brenling and Kennedy Jones. Kennedy Jones was a, a freshman All-American in, in 2022, and, you know, his numbers were better in 2023. Um you know, he was he was a great player at UNC Greensboro, more of an offensive guy, right-handed hitter. But, you know, he, he's he's fine out there in left field from a defensive standpoint, but he's an offensive guy. Austin Brendling from North Florida, he started his career in Florida, uh, went spent a year there, then went to JUCO, then went to North Florida for a year and graduated, and you know, put up great numbers, left-handed hitter, steals a bunch of bases, uh, really good defensively out in center field. Like he's what you look for in a center fielder. Um, he's going to at least make Evan Stone better. Uh, I mean, those those guys are. I mean, those guys will compete for that job. But but Brendling brings in brings in a lot. Um, you know, you look at uh, a Parker Nolan from Vanderbilt who has 681 at bats in a Vanderbilt uniform, and you know had a pretty productive season this past year. He he uh, he hit nine home runs, hit 275. Very versatile player can play first base, second base, third base. Uh, so he, he can provide some options for you. Blake Jackson is another outfielder, really productive at Charlotte. Um, you know, they, they did a really nice job in the portal from the position player standpoint. You've, you've got some, some guys from, from the pitching staff who, 
or, or on the pitching staff who, who were okay, I guess. You know, Ty Good was a really good pitcher down at College of Charleston. I uh, was their conference pitcher of the year. Um, you know, he could go out there and, and eat a bunch of innings for you on uh, as a starter, um, or, he can, or he can be a bullpen guy. He's he's done that a couple of times in his career and been successful. Uh, he's he's somebody I certainly look at to to be really good. But South Carolina also picked up two high school pitchers who really have a chance to be helpful this this coming season. Was able to do that this summer. You know, most of most of the time uh, a recruiting class is is done or pretty close to done from a high school standpoint before those kids go into their senior season. Um, a lot of it's done going into their junior season, you know, at it, it, South Carolina's level. Um, but but they were able to get a couple of guys late, one who was committed to Air Force, one who was committed to Walford, uh, and, and Joey Wittick, who was going to Air Force, and, and Jake McCoy, who was going to Walford. And, you know, McCoy's an in-state kid who just kind of blew up. I mean, he was, he's been up to 94 miles an hour uh, as, as a left-hander, um, good curveball. Uh, Wittig is is a is a uh, guy who really shows off on on the track man from a, a spin rate standpoint, you know. But he's got a 94 mile an hour fastball and a really good slider. Uh, both of those guys are, are going to be really helpful. So even and, and they're going to be here for three years. So you know you you missed on some pitching targets in the portal, but you're able to get uh, a couple of high schoolers who who don't have that collegiate experience, but have a chance to be really good. So you know I I, I think that um, you know this summer ended up being uh, being very very solid for the Gamecocks. Yeah, and you know we talk about this upcoming recruiting class, and I know that you said that it's a little light compared to what you know South Carolina has recently gotten or you know should get and. At the end of the day, the next couple of recruiting classes, they're going to be a lot better for South Carolina. And we, we'll, we'll talk about those on a different day. But one of the questions I wanted to ask you before we get off here, I know that you got a, you got a hard stop here coming up, but you know, what are your expectations for next year? Could next year be an Omaha-type team? Yeah, I, I, absolutely, I absolutely think so. It's going to be on the strength of the offense. Uh, they're going to have to um, – they're going to have to – piece together some things from a, from a pitching standpoint and you know South Carolina hadn't gotten much luck when it comes to health especially from a pitching staff standpoint these these last couple of years it might be time for uh, a break to go in favor of the Gamecocks from, from a health standpoint um, you know if you can keep most of these guys healthy I think you have a chance to be be very solid on, on the mound but you know they're gonna have to be dynamic at the plate and and i think they can be you know there's going to be three all americans in the lineup with kenny jones ethan petrie and cole messina we haven't really even mentioned cole um but then you got another 19 home run guy and, and gavin casas you're bringing in a, a guy from from north florida who hit like 350 with over 20 stolen bases and austin brindling um you don't know how how guys like Thomas LaCroix and Carson Hornig and Evan Stone and the guys who have had a lot of at-bats now in the SEC, how, how they're going to grow. Uh, Parker Nolan, I, I mean, there's I, – I, I think this, this lineup and, or this roster has, has Omaha potential. You know, I, I think if, if you made me rank them going into the year, it's probably in the, in the 7 to 12 range right in there. So, I, I mean, I don't think it's a – a slam dunk Omaha caliber team, but I think they're right there in that, that conversation going into this coming year. 
Well, and there's never such thing as a slam dunk Omaha type team. I mean, we remember back when South Carolina lost to Louisiana Lafayette with a record of like 50 and six and then top team in the country. So never, never a slam dunk type of situation, but um, let's move away from, from Gamecock baseball for a little bit. I know you do a lot more um, in your professional life and your personal life outside of, outside of baseball. But before we move on, Tell me about how you became associated with grassroots baseball. I've always envy, envied how much you do with grassroots baseball. I've I've helped coach some high school teams, some AAU teams, even you know some five and six year old basketball teams at the YMCA. But how did you get into grassroots, and, and what does grassroots mean to you? Well, I got to give a little shout out to uh, uh, Chris Clark of, of Gamecock Central for for um, for for this. Like he worked with us at the Big Spur for a while. And he said, well. Like, why don't you start covering baseball recruiting a little bit? Like, everybody loves recruiting. And I was like, yeah, maybe so. So I I, I started doing a little bit of that and, and uh, you know, got got to know that coaching staff really well at that time and, you know, went to a few local tournaments to see some guys play. And, and um, you know, long story short, uh, I went out to watch the Canes play one one day, and they were based out of Virginia. But the guy who who ran it was, um, you know, spent a lot of his formative years in the state of South Carolina, and was a was a Gamecock fan. And and uh, you know, I um, had written a story uh, about several of the players committed to kind of the rival the rival team of his, the rival rival AAU team of his, and and uh, he he was giving one of South Carolina's coaches a hard time uh, the next day. And, and I was standing right there getting ready to interview him about some, some guys that he had committed to South Carolina and he didn't know who I was. And, you know, he, he, uh, he stuck his foot in his mouth a little bit and, and was really embarrassed, you know, about some of the things he, he said while, while I was standing right there. But, you know, I I I got thick skin, and and we we uh, we became buddies. And he said, "Why don't you Why don't you come around and start doing some of this with us and working for us?" And I said, "That that sounds like a blast." So I, I guess it's been I guess this was my either ninth or tenth year uh, working working with the Canes, and you know I started out doing uh, some stories and some photos, and it's. It's evolved a ton over the years. Did some Dobo type of things and and uh, baseball operations type of things. And you know, this past summer that just ended, you know, I was uh, we we've got a broadcast now, a streaming broadcast, and and uh, we've got a play by play guy. And I sat there and, and gave the analysis on uh, on games. So you know, it's it's been a lot of fun. I've gotten to know uh, a ton of guys over the years. Um, you know, who were. Yeah, I mean Mackenzie Gore, for example, you know, pitcher for the Nationals, for first first round pick. Uh, you know, this this past year, uh, this past season, one of my favorite people who I've ever met coming through the Canes organization is is Cade Keeler, who was the the uh, um, uh, ace for Campbell, uh, who was drafted number seventy overall by the Braves. Um, you know, it was it was so cool for me to see him out there you know, um, pitch at Founders Park. And, you know, not many people know this, but South Carolina was his dream school. And he just wasn't quite to that level, you know, when it came time for him to him to commit. And, you know, it's some of the people I've gotten to meet over the years, whether it's, 
you know, Scott Forbes at UNC, who's now the head coach, or Scott Jackson up at up at Liberty, or, you know, I've known Matt Williams now because of gra- grassroots baseball since he started his career at Spartanburg Methodist. So, you know, just seeing guys grow up and evolve over the over the course from, you know, 16 or whenever I get to know them, you know, up until they're big leaguers uh, is, is been, has been really cool and, and pretty incredible and, and so much fun for me. See, I love that. I mean, I love the fact that you're giving back to a sport that you care a lot about. And I try to do that all the time with basketball. I, I'm so kudos to you, my friend, kudos to you. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're having that opportunity. So, you know, obviously you made your way to basketball and football on the big spur covering those sports. And like I said earlier on the show, every single sport that's on campus, you kind of have your fingertips on and you have the pulse of the program. And, and I promise guys, we'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk about football and we'll talk about baseball with, or basketball with Whittle and, and soccer and volleyball and everything else there is on, on future shows. But I got to ask you a quick question, John, I got to ask about the infamous picture of you kind of peeping over the hedges at Gamecock football practice facility. Was that, was that something you just took a picture of or were you actually trying to get a scoop there? Well, it was it was back in the day when the, the uh, football practices were over at the Proving Grounds that uh, is, is still there, right beside the armory. And it was an open practice. Um, and what was what was happening, all the players would walk over from the field on onto the practice field. So they were all crossing the road and trying to dodge cars and all that good stuff. And uh, I was standing outside the fence, obviously. Well, our, the, the photographers were were inside, and there were fans inside, and so forth, and other media and whatnot. And I don't I don't know who it was, but I was trying to get my photographer's attention to say, "Hey, somebody's about to come in that we need a picture of." And and I was I was standing out there trying to trying to get his attention and somebody snapped a, a photo of me and, and it looked like I was trying to peer over and, and, uh, you know, get, get some scoop or, or whatever else. But, you know, I was, I was doing things that I was allowed to be doing. And, uh, but it was, but it's hysterical. It, it, it was absolutely hysterical. I mean, that's been 15 years ago now, I would think. Uh, but I, 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 I still keep that photo, uh, around and, and uh, it's, 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 it's still one of my favorites and certainly certainly a conversation piece. Oh, it's it's honestly one of the, the best pictures I've ever seen. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> I'll tell you a quick story. I know, I know we got to go. But um, I had a friend that worked at Williams-Brice Stadium when the Big Spur was kind of starting out. And I got to know JC. And um, so one day we realized that we could actually see the proving grounds from the press box area. And especially up where the lights are. So I went up there without JC's, you know, approval. And I took me and my buddies took some binoculars and we were just watching practice. <laughs> and then we would, then we would go up, we would go up to the press box too during like the closed scrimmages and watch the scrimmages from the press box kind of hiding out. So, um, I, I love the backstory on that photo. I mean, I appreciate the hustle, <laughs> even though it wasn't for a scoop, it was to get a photographer over there. But, um, yeah, no, nobody hustles as hard as you do, John. I can promise you that. Um, well, the- I, I'm not, I'm not talented. And <laughs> when, when you're not talented and I'm certainly not a good writer, my English teachers in high school and, and even college would, would attest to that. But 
you know, some sometimes uh, when you're not talented and you're not very smart, you got to work a little bit harder. And uh, you know, I'll, I've 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 spent many hours sitting at the airports, and I've been I've I've, I've gone places and and done things that you know other folks just weren't putting in the effort to do. And you know, that's that's what I've that's how I've tried to to kind of get to where I am from a from a uh, re- reporting standpoint. And you know, I've I've had a blast doing it for sure. Yeah, no, nobody can deny your hustle. Um, lastly, John, and whenever I have a guest on one of these shows, I always try to make it more human than just South Carolina this, South Carolina that, sports this, sports that. So what is something that John Whittle enjoys doing outside of Gamecock sports and grassroots baseball right now that's fun for him? It could be like a show you like to watch, a hobby, anything really. What, what What's something you're doing right now that you're loving? Um... Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. So, so much of my, my, uh, the, the things I find enjoyment in are the things that are at least, you know, kind of semi work related. Like I'll, if I go on, if I go on a trip, I, I enjoy traveling and I like, like going to, to different ballparks or, you know, just, just traveling in general, going down to the beach, going down to Charleston for the day, just just wherever, going up to the mountains for a little bit and, and kind of get away and be in the quiet. Um, but I, 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 so I, I enjoy travel, but I also try to figure out a way to, to, to rope in seeing some, seeing people I've gotten to know, you know, I've, I, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I drove up to Pittsburgh. Um, I guess it was right before the super regional, right after the regional, before, before the super regional, I drove up to Pittsburgh because Jonah had just gotten called up. Jonah bride had just gotten called up to, to play for the A's and they were on the road up there and Pittsburgh in the, a place that I had been before. And, and, um, you know, went up there and, you know, saw a little bit, went over to the game and, you know, TJ Hopkins had just gotten called up and, you know, Cincinnati's not too far away. Uh, it was dead West and, you know, hopped in the car and drove a few hours, uh, after that to, to go over to Cincinnati and, and, uh, you know, see him and, you know, come on back to Columbia to get ready for, to, to travel down to Florida for a super regional. So, you know, I, I really enjoy traveling, but a lot of times it's kind of, uh, you know, I'll go over to a minor league game or, or whatever else. So, you know, I, I, I enjoy doing that, uh, but I enjoy, you know, seeing some people. A, a lot of things are, a lot of things that I do for enjoyment are, are also, you know, at, at least have, at least reach into that working world a little bit, whether it's, um, you know, travel or, or whatever else. So I, you know, I, I don't know if that's the right answer or not, but, you know, that's, that's kind of what I enjoy doing. That that's a great answer because I know like me and my buddies we try and find any excuse possible to catch up and and spend some time together and sometimes it's just a spur of the moment thing and so I totally I totally get that and you know it's all about relationships and I think that's one of the recurring themes of this show tonight is relationships maintaining them and enjoying them not just you know what can they do for me I mean you didn't have to go get in a car to see Jonah Bryan get called up <laughs> you know what I mean you didn't have to go you know, do the same thing for TJ, TJ Hopkins. But, um, so that's, that's really cool, John. And, you know, I have a lot of hobbies out there and these guys on guys and gals on this show hear about my stuff all the time. So it was really nice to hear about something you do kind of outside of, um, your normal day to day. So thank you for sharing that. Um, guys, I want to tell you right now, I'm so thankful for John for coming on this show. I hope that, um, I haven't scared him off from coming on future shows, but, 
Um, I always want to have the best the best guests that I possibly can, and the guys and the guys and gals that really understand what's going on in the Gamecock Sports Arena. And you know, with that being said, um, John, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate you having me. Well, anytime, John. So let me know when you want to pop on. We'll definitely do some stuff. You know, I hope around football season, gearing up, a basketball season. I know you cover cover a lot for the basketball team, and I, I'm I'm here to help you any way I can. But that's all the time we have for tonight. But I can't wait to talk to you all on the next show. As a reminder, I'm going to continue doing a deep dive into the Gamecock football season last year in preparation for the upcoming season. So stay glued to the show if you need some reminders about last season. And it's just a great way to not only jog your memory of last season, but also mine. Um, It was a great season that culminated with a bowl game against Notre Dame. Had some highs, had some lows, but... Overall, it was a a big stepping stone season for Shane Beamer and the boys. So we'll continue that deep dive, and I hope that you all have a great um, rest of the week, weekend. I don't know exactly when this show is going to pop up, but it'll be sometime um, during the week of August, I guess, 7th through the 11th, that time frame. But um, enjoy talking with you, John. Enjoyed um, this time with all of you, and we'll talk to you real soon. Have a great night, guys.